and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling with the Future. This is part two of our conversation, television wrestling and AEW Full Gear Fallout. I'm joined once again by my esteemed and affable co-host, lovable, lovable Jeff the Ref Robinson, and the most knowledgeable man next to Jeff that I know, Mike Movie Maker Messier. Hey, Mikey, how you doing? I'm good. Glad to be here again with uh, Jeff, the ref, and Angelo, and I've put on my thinking glasses because I feel like we're going to have a thinking episode this time. Oh, man, I'm just glad to be here. It's been a crazy day for me. Whew, man, let me tell you. There you go, Mikey. How you feeling? <laughs> I, 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 glasses on. I feel left out. I don't have any. I'm so, going to search a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, how you doing, pal? You had a busy day. Yeah, I've been uh, been busy, been busy, uh, you know, making contacts, making phone calls, taking care of a few things here and there, and doing hand-on ref business, if you will. Beautiful. Well, let me tell everybody that as of this morning, I've got confirmation definite for two weeks from today. We will have former WWE superstar, former American gladiator, Former Las Vegas policeman, Rico Costantino. That's a big one. That's a good one. Yeah, big guest. Now, Jeff, what do you know about Rico's career? You're you're just a young guy, young whippersnapper. Well, I mean, I can tell you basically what I've heard and what I do know of him. He got to start, uh, got started wrestling. He was down there in Ohio Valley, and he pretty much was going nowhere he was treading water and they didn't see any the the wwe and the executives up there did not see anything in his character at that point in time right jim Cornette, jim Cornette said let me turn him heel and see what happens yeah they turned him heel and then the character rico came to be and then uh, i mean he, he was able to go on over the wwe or w yeah this was wwe and i'll tell you what i mean he was there for a cup of coffee as some people may say and in a lot of people's minds, that may be the case because he was, I mean, they only saw him on TV for maybe a year and a half to two years, but he was yeah. there, you know, he may have been there even longer, like just doing the house show circuit and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he did a lot of house shows, yeah. You know, they brought him in as the manager for uh, for the Samoans, uh, it was Umaga and his brother uh, when they were the uh, three-minute warning, and he was very, I guess you would say, eccentric was his character. Yeah, keep in mind that word, Mikey, because we're going to talk about that. I'm going to, Jeff, I'm actually going to tie that in to Nyla Rose. Okay. He was Watch how I do this. Watch the master work. He was <laughs> <laughs> Billy and Chuck in the wedding, the, the gay yeah, wedding. What I was getting ready to get at was he, he did do the Billy and Chuck wedding deal. He was the uh, he was then he became their manager and he was actually their hairstylist and then he yeah. was actually with Nadia who was a member of the Tough Enough. Yes, what we had talked about before the Tough Enough uh, winner. Yeah, and, um, I mean he's had quite the career honestly. And then, I mean it was like after he left that though, he didn't really do anything. And I don't well, know. He went to WCW for a cup of coffee. That had to be like right before they shut. No, because they had shut their doors by the time he had even come into WWE. He was there for a, like literally a cup of coffee. Then he had to be there. Before, 
he had to be there before he went to WWE because they, wow. they shut their doors in 2001. Not that long. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just letting you know, if he was there, it was before his WWE run. I'm saying oh, after yeah. his WWE run. And I know that lately he's been under a lot. He's had a lot of health issues. Which he yeah, we're going to talk about that too. I mean, and, and he has been open and honest about that. So I'm not disclosing something I shouldn't there. So actually, um, he actually, Jeff, wants to come on and uh, and get some things off his chest and kind of clear the air about his health, how he's doing now. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to go in, you know, delve deep into that one right now. But you mentioned the eccentric nature of Rico. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about Nyla Rose, it seems to be, and we've seen this throughout wrestling history, we had gorgeous George, who played an effeminate character. We had Adrian Street, exotic Adrian Street, played an exotic character, very effeminate, right? It's okay for the guy to do that, but it's not okay for the girl to be masculine. Why do we have a problem with that? Um, I don't really know what the issue is there other than the fact that it's with Nyla is a, you got, you're treading on a line there that a lot of, that has never been crossed before with her being transgender. And it's never been broached before. It's a subject that's never been approached. It's never been brought up. Okay. It's, Let's it's talk about Sunny Kiss. Okay. Sonny Kiss is a man. Absolutely. The first time I saw Sonny Kiss, I thought it was a woman. Same complete. Here. Guilty. And complete with a halter top. Right. Okay. What's the difference? I have a problem with this. Am I the only guy that's got a problem with this? And, and by the way, I saw Nyla's very first match ever, ever. I have it on tape. I'm the one that taped it. So what's that? I don't know. What what, I guess what your question is is why does the, the does wrestling have a problem with it? Is, is what you're getting at? Or I don't know that it's wrestling as much as it is that over the years. Here we go. Over the years, wrestling has been presented as this masculine sport. Okay. And let's face it. Up until recent time. We've been a very homophobic society. And that being said, when you have a gay character, that's automatically going to draw heel heat because you don't like the gay man. You don't like gays. You don't like them being effeminate and over the top about it. Jeff, let me mention one name to you. Go for it. Pat Patterson. No, no. I, I'm not saying no. I'm not saying that behind the scenes that they don't have a problem with it. You're asking me. I'm saying the fans. I don't think wrestlers in general even have a problem with it. They don't care. I don't. I think you're right. I don't think they do care. If they can make money, they don't care. Why should we? I, I think it's society as in general. That's what I'm getting at. That is my point. Is I think, and I think that we've got to progress past that nature as it has to be. Okay. You man, that you can't have a gay man being fan friendly. You brought up a very good point that actually Mike and I discussed in the first half of the show, okay. which was the demographic target audience. Yeah. This this niche audience 
Cody has and Cody that there is a market audience, their core audience, that they're not going beyond that. They're not going to cater to the casual fan, but they will cater to their diehard fan, their fan base. Why then does anybody care if they're not going beyond the realm of wrestling? I don't think that they. I don't think that they should. I don't think that the. Because society doesn't know who Nyla Rose is. No, and I think it's just the wrestling world that's trying to make a big deal out of it, and I, I, I don't know why. I, I really don't. I don't know why. About, did they care about China? But China was a woman. But China looked like a man. But China was born a woman, and they have proof of that. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not. Giving, I'm, I'm not I am not taking anything away from what Nyla is. What I'm, I'm getting at, you're trying to get me to go to what the core of it is. I don't know other than it's just people live in that fear bubble that they're afraid of anything new. And they don't want to go past that bubble of, they, they don't want to accept it and go, okay, she's transgender and therefore we got to accept her as a female. I mean, personally, if it were me booking, I would be, and you want to be different, you take her who is a transgender male who identifies as a female, I put her in the male, the, have her wrestle in the men and, and fucking run a rough shot on them. Honestly, because she's bigger than half of them on that roster. And I would sure. take, and I would take Sunny Kiss and put Sunny Kiss over on the female roster. Because to watch Sonny Kiss wrestle, he wrestles like a female. You don't hear me arguing with you, do you? No, and I'm not saying, and I'm not taking away from Sonny Kiss. But when he wrestles, he wrestles like a female. I know. And we just saw a match take place. Just Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard. Intergender match. And that Why not take Nyla and put her in with a guy? I don't know. I mean, that, that, well, the intergender is becoming more it's and more of the regular. No, problem. I, the intergender thing is becoming more and more regular on the independents. It is. They need to hire me as a booker. I just solved their problem. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, 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 the, the independents are doing more and more of the intergender thing. And I don't know that you're going to... I you're don't know absolutely right. Well, I'm going to stop you there, Jeff. You're absolutely right. I saw a show recently. There was a transgender male wrestling as a female on that show not going to tell you their name but no one in the audience knew and no one in the audience cared had they known guess what they still wouldn't have cared no they wouldn't and 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 i i, I think today's audience doesn't care about if it's a intergender match and you have a male versus female but where you're going to get into it is when you are a a publicly traded company like WWE, and then you're a brand new company like AEW, you're gonna have the groups out there that come down on you, going, "You're promoting male and female violence, and we don't support that." No matter how much you try to tell them it's part of a show, no matter how much you tell them that they're working together, no matter how much you tell them any of it, we just went down that rabbit hole, Mikey and I, in discussing the Attitude Era. Okay. Right. Remember, Vince. First of all, Vince Russo, and I've never met him, never spoke to him. 
Vince Russo was a horrible wrestling personality. But what Vince Russo did exceedingly well was he knew people. Yeah. He knew the pulse of society because he came from that society. Okay? <laughs> During the Attitude Era, we saw everything under the sun. Right. We saw male versus female, brawn panties matches. We saw female bodybuilder wrestle a guy. Yeah. We saw everything. There wasn't much left that wasn't seen. Okay? Why can't an educated wrestling writer who has spent time in the business figure out what to do with this girl? Because I don't think the AEW knows. They don't want to go down. They don't want to promote her. They obviously need something. I don't think that they want to promote Nyla Rose as being transgender and make a big deal out of it. They don't have to. I think Jeff just Jeff, Jeff just hit upon it, Angelo, which is uh, AEW for whatever reason. Hey, Mikey. Uh, hey, hey, Jeff. Hey, Angelo. That AEW has chosen, and to me, it's political correctness uh, at the expense of good storytelling. Which is AEW. It would seem to be, at least as of now, week six of uh, Dynamite in the can, that they don't want to have a storyline about her being transgender because they feel that even touching the subject is uh, not politically correct or disrespectful. Uh, my point, uh, Jeff, the ref, and to anyone listening is that, to me, to have this you know pink elephant in the room of conversation, this hot topic like The View, Whoopi Goldberg, and Joy Behar could be talking about Nyla Rose and professional wrestling, if they were to play this angle right, which uh, they're not, they would make it a big deal. They would have another woman's wrestler be the champion, like a Britt Baker or whoever, and yeah. refuse yeah. to defend the title against Nia, Nyla. And they say, why won't you defend your title against Nyla? She's the number one contender. And the champion says, but she was not born a woman. And then you're off to the races. You have a, a three or four month storyline. And you, you have Nyla the face that way. What do you think, Jeff? No, no. I think you would make Nyla the face that way. Yeah. You could bring focus exactly. to a, You could bring focus to a political issue that a lot of people don't want to touch. Right. Oh, that's another rabbit hole that we went down, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> no, no. I mean, and you don't. You, you know, a lot of people don't want to mix their politics and wrestling. But let's face it, what what has drove most most of your best storylines has been political. It's I mean, funny that you say that because in the first half of the show, we talked about one particular company that is purposely mixing politics and wrestling. WWE. WWE. They've done it for years. Yeah. Including... Including bringing presidential candidates on their show, Mikey. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. And what I was what I was saying, Jeff, the ref, is that the WWE is in. Uh, you know, they support financially Donald Trump's campaign in 2016. Uh, well, no, 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 no. It wasn't WWE corporate. It was actually Vince McMahon private. Okay, okay, fair enough. W Vince McMahon, who owns the WWE, or 48 percent of it. Supported I mean, Trump. I mean, but, but that's how they would get around that. Sure, sure. 
But but my point, a, a bigger issue, what I was saying is that I don't like wrestling mixed with politics. Uh, there's two different things here. There's politics as far as money. The WWE supports Trump. Trump's or McMahon supports Trump. Trump has Linda McMahon on one of his political uh, office spots. Right. Uh, they're all supported by Fox News, and Fox now has SmackDown. Now, what, what we're saying about AEW and this Nyla Rose, to me, that's like a social politics or pop culture. That's what thing. I'm getting at. That's, yeah. It's not about political office. <laughs> Nyla Rose is not running for office. Tony Khan's not running for office. It's, it's a social... To me, it's a story that could be on The View. It could be on Jimmy Fallon. It could be discussed. <laughs> they, could AEW. they could get mainstream coverage out of it. They could. Right. Just they like Goldust did. Right. Gold, Goldust was on the Conan O'Brien show in 1995 or 96 for, for doing very little. Uh, but Nyla Rose could be on every <laughs> talk show of the country talking about pro wrestling, talking about AEW, her story, uh, it could be a big deal. Well, that I mean, just, we'll, we'll go back to really quick. You, you, the the Rico when he did the whole Billy and Chuck wedding deal, and they, and everybody was buying into that, and they bought into the LGBTQ whatever community they are. Right. They bought in, into it so much they sent them a gift, and they were on Good Morning America. Yeah. Yeah. So. If you have somebody who's legit transgender who's not poking fun at that community. Who can come out and be a speaker and pro for that community and make them a face. You don't make them a heel. You do not make Nia the monster heel that they're trying to make her. Right, you right. Make her, you can make her, you could have her and Awesome Kong facing each other. I'd love to see that match. And, and you have wasted in a battle royal. They, they, I mean, and, and you would have, you know, the crowd would be biting on it and totally forgetting. When I look at Nyla, I don't go, hmm. That used to be a man that now wants to be a woman. I don't look at that. I see it and I go, I, I go, green wrestler coming along her way and and, mm -hmm. and, and and coming, you know, doing her thing. I look at Nyla and to me, she's a woman. There you go. She's got great legs. She's, I mean, she's a nice, got all a nice, a nice rack. And, 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 and they I mean, you would, you would have people who would go down that hole, and, it, and again, the social issue, and I've seen it brought up by other by females in the wrestling business who have said, if you promote Nyla that way as a tra as a female, mm -hmm. what a disservice. This is what they've said, not my own. This is not Jeff's the ref's thinking. Okay. This is what I have read from females in the wrestling business. And if they want to come on my on our show, we'll be more than happy to put them on here and let them have their opinion. Um, but what they've said is it does a disservice to the women in the business today and from the past who kind of paved the way for the women to get to where they are today. And then they point to the fact that it did take 34 years for a WrestleMania to be main evented by women. And... Their whole thing is, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna separate men from women and have the women's world title, the women's championship, the women's this, then how are you gonna add what they've said? How are you gonna have a former man being a woman being a woman's champion? How are you going to have a woman carry the world title? 
I don't know. And that 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 is a subject that I don't know. Tessa Blanchard. Tessa has not won it yet. They're just talking about it right now. Okay. Well, the point is, the match is made. The match is made, but are they going to actually pull the plug and do it? I, I think, yeah. I think, I think it's going to happen. And here's why. Here's why I think they'll do it is because Impact needs that boost. They want to be the talk of the internet for a little bit, and they. And right now, they do got a little underground buzz going on. Let's face well, I it. Think they're going, I think they're going to do it for a couple of very valid reasons. First of all, Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard are making the rounds on every major podcast they can make. I know. I've, I've heard it. And I've heard what they've said. But... And Tully's been asked about it. And he's talking it up. I, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I heard, uh, who was, I, I forget who it was. They asked him about it, and it was somebody prominent, and they were on a podcast, and they were talking about it. And he just said, do you really want to go down there, or are they going, or is it just Impact taking a shot in the dark trying to get ratings, you know, a ratings grasp? That's the question. Is it a valid question? Yeah. What do you think, Mike? I think that Impact, you know, look, I've lost favor or Impact has lost favor with me for various reasons. Uh, one of those reasons was because they have a hard time keeping on to whatever top talents they get. They get uh, they get uh, Alberto Del Rio for a cup of coffee and then he he misbehaves or whatever. and He's gone. They get um, they get Cody Rhodes for a cup of coffee. And then uh, he's gone. They had Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis. So I've already lost favor with Impact. People have been telling me for six months or a year that Impact's getting better. But when I see them do things like Ken Shamrock, a legitimate uh, badass, legitimate UFC Hall of Fame career, and he's flopping around with Joey Ryan, I have no interest in watching Impact. So Impact I have a problem with that whole thing. Same here. Right. So for me, my point is, Impact Wrestling. You want to talk about an embarrassment to wrestling? Let me tell you something, and I'm going to say this publicly: Joey Ryan is far more an embarrassment than Nyla Rose will ever be. Absolutely, ten times wholeheartedly support you on that one. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Go ahead, yes. Mike. Joey Ryan has a problem. Come on my show and discuss it. I, yeah, I third that, and I've I've gone back and forth on Twitter, and I cut a video about when Mick Foley uh, sold the Dick Plex for Joey Ryan. And I was offended, and I thought Mick Foley disgraced his legacy by doing that. And I think that when top wrestlers, hey, look, who am I to tell anybody what to do for money? But when a Mick Foley or a Ken Shamrock uh, defiles themselves by working a program with Joey Ryan and his stupid move. I, I, I got to say this. This is what Cornette said. He said, Ken Shamrock was given a phone call. He was offered a little bit of money. Then they told him he needed to take the dick plex. And he said, oh, I got a money mark on the phone. You want me to take a dick plex? It's going to be 10 times what you're asking me for. Exactly. <laughs> from it. Yeah. He said, because if you don't want me to kick this guy's ass, legit, y'all better pay me to take his fucking move. Absolutely. You know damn well that if Shamrock wanted to, he would have mauled him. Oh, God. Sure, but the point Even is... 55 years old or however old he is, so... Let me tell you something. Ken Shamrock is a legit badass. Straight up. Damn right. Okay? He's a, he's as shoot as you get. <laughs> yep. And if he wants to hurt you, 
There's nothing you can do about it. So uh, why don't we get into... Real All right, quick. yes. Full gear, Jeff. Let's, we, we were just getting into... Mikey and I were just... Uh, we were barely scratched the surface of full gear. So this was AEW's first, you know, real pay-per-view of the television era. Yeah. So let's get into full gear fallout. I'll say what this. Like Jeff, and what went wrong? Okay. My initial thought was this. If I had buddies come over that had never or had not watched wrestling in even four or five years, and I said, here's this new product. Why don't we come on over old time's sake and watch it on pay-per-view? I don't think that that would have hooked them. Interesting that you say that. I don't know that that would. I don't know that they would have turned around and said, "Well, geez, what what day of the week is this coming on, Jeff?" And I would have said, "Oh, Wednesday nights, eight p.m. on TNT." Yeah. I they and here it's hard to it's hard to explain to a fan who may have even like I said stopped watching four or five years ago where the current product has gone. Right. And, and 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 for you know when you open up and your opening match is is and, and you know the young bucks are a very very highly talented team and you have them taking on the uh former LAX who are now the uh, uh pride and power or something yeah, yeah pride and powerful yeah p and p and you know and they're doing you know they start out really good. You have one of, uh, I, I don't even know which young buck it was. He was selling his knee, got his knee hurt. He was selling the knee injury. And then all of a sudden, he's able to turn around and he's going into a super kick. Dude, your knee's just gotten fucked. You've been yeah, selling Matt Jackson. Yeah. And then, you exactly. know, then you go, so, okay. And if this tag team, the young bucks are supposed to be one of the best in the world. Right. They oh, them as. Allegedly, yeah. Then explain to me why their record, they haven't really won shit for matches since, and I get it, they're VPs, they don't want to come across as booking themselves in those kind of matches, but you got to look strong at the same time. Now, here we go, this is my one of my favorite, now we're going to, you got the finish, Young Bucks, uh, or uh, I think PMP went over, yeah, PMP went over, the pop of the night, and this is kind of funny and sad and, and funny all at the same time. Pop of the night goes to the Rock and Roll Express, hopping the railing, getting in the ring, getting their beat down, getting their comeback on 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 Pride Powerful from getting their beat down a couple weeks earlier. Right. Ricky Morton hits an assisted Canadian destroyer and then does a plancha through the middle rope, and that crowd erupts and goes into a rock and roll, rock and roll chance. They weren't chanting mm -hmm. Young Bucks. Right. They're for a tag team from back in the 1980s. They're talking okay. about, they're chanting for two guys that are 63 and 64, respectively. And think yeah, about that. Ricky and Robert they're they're still chanting for a couple of old men. And there you go. My age. <laughs> there's a level of respect, and then there's, okay, you know, so that match just to me made no sense. I mean, like, it was good, it, it, but well, then they just that, that, going off the Where's the continuity? That, See, that's what I just yeah. And that and that's Mikey and I were, were really touched upon that a little bit in the previous episode. Consistency. 
continuity, emotional investment. Where is it? It's all but. It, it was it a good show? Was it worth fifty dollars? I don't. Know. I'll say no. Okay, so put me through the next one. What happened next? I'm trying to remember, actually. I, oh, Adam Page and Pac. Okay, we talked a little bit about Page and Pac. I I love Adam Page. I think the guy's got star written all over him. He does. And, and he just needs somebody to guide him along and pull him and, and teach him just a little bit. And he is going to go in a lot. He could go really far. He would act... I, I, I mean, I would almost say he would do good to go over to NXT where they could polish him. I think he goes to NXT, they kill him. He goes to NXT, his career's dead over. He'll be working at McDonald's. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I'm, I'm serious. Mikey and I touched on something a little earlier. I said to Mike that I thought Paige, in the next two to three months, will be wearing the strap. I think he's got champion written all over him. No, no he does. I, I would agree with you. I don't know that I would... I, I, I don't know that that's where they're going to go with it. I could actually... I think AEW right now, as crazy as it sounds, and people would say, oh, they don't need a second-tier uh, a, a second tier belt. I think they would do themselves good to come up with some sort of second... No. Absolutely not, Jeff. I disagree with you. There are too many make-pretend title belts in wrestling. It's nothing more than a prop at that point. But AEW okay. is keeping it what, simple. What? Oh, no, no. Well, wait, wait. I'll give you an example really quick of what I'm talking about. You go back to WWF. They came up with the Intercontinental title in 1981 or whatever it was that Pat Patterson won the faux tournament down in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, yeah, legend. Yeah. They had, they had the IC title, the world title, and the world tag belts all the way up until they merged with WCW. And that worked with them having only three titles. That's what I'm getting at. Too many titles then, and I think it's too many today. Now, you have, when I grew up, you had the world championship and the tag team championship. And then the only other recognized belt was the United States championship, which is still around. Well, the U.S. championship that you grew up with is actually, we could get into a whole history of that because that was split up into every different territory had a U.S. championship. No, I know. So, but, but whoever the United States championship Whoever held the United States Championship in the NWA was the pocket page saying. Now let's go back to yeah, because I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. No, no, no but I, I think that Page looks like a champion, has champion written all over him. I think he just needs a little bit of guidance to kind of get him. To, to help his matches along just a little bit, and by that I mean just where to put different things. He doesn't need three of his buckshot finishers done in, in a match. Okay. He doesn't even need to do that moonsault to the outside every match. He should save that for like like the big world title match or, or whatever big match he may be having and that would do him a world of good. Now getting a win over Pac, that's huge because Pac has, a, has an established name that helped put Paige over even more and I mean, go ahead. I'll let, I want to hear Mikey's opinion on it. Well, they, they had a uh... Page win at the pay-per-view, and then you know three or four nights later on Wednesday night, 
they had Pac uh, get a victory over Page. So it's right. a series two to one. So it's one of those things where you can say Page is the first guy to get a, vi- a victory over Pac, which is true. Uh, and Pac did beat Kenny Omega a couple of shows ago. So that's a big victory for Paige. But overall, the guy that kind of comes out on top one way or another is is Pac. And I think Pac's a great athlete as well. I think both of those guys. He knows how to sell. He's got great facials. Everything about him says wrestler. I mean, that dude is just, I mean, oozes charisma even about him. So I would, I would, I would say if, if this was 30 years ago, can you imagine in the Les Thornton, Denny Brown era of NWA Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, oh. if you had Pac as a as a junior heavyweight champion and, and you know competing with Les Thornton or Denny Brown or Mike NWA Davis, World junior title would have meant those matches would have been uh, you know right up there with Ric Flair. Right, and he's he's a great athlete. I guess my thought is with uh, going back to Adam Page because I'm a Hangman Page fan as well. Wouldn't it be great? Uh, if it, if it wasn't Mike Messier managing his career as an on-character storyline, uh, what about a J.J. Dillon? You know, I like, love it. I J. think he'd be perfect. Yeah. J. Absolutely. J.J. Dillon managing Page. I think a J.J. would be good. I, I mean, heck, I would even – what would it hurt for them to bring in a Kevin Sullivan and make him an evil cowboy? Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, go with I like had- a little twist. Yeah, I mean, the, the fun thing about wrestling... And, and I, that's what I'm getting at. If you had somebody even older, like Sean Spears has Tully Blanchard in his corner, right. who I'm sure, I'm sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is, guy, is, is calling spots for him, is helping him out. So it wouldn't hurt Paige to have that manager in the corner that could help go, whoa, whoa, back it up some, calm it down, mm-hmm. you know, hit the gas, you know, whatever you need. You know what I mean? Like, giving them... And, and more... Because J.J., JJ helped call the majority of Luger's matches for him. You know, and so I mean <laughs> Jeff, do you think that Tully's an effective manager? I, I, I think they could get better use out of him, but I mean I, I think right now he's being used as best That's as they can how to use him. Yeah, you, you went right where I, I, I thought you were gonna go. Yeah. I, I, I they're they're wasting his usability. I mean, I would have him on there cutting promos about how Sean Spears is the perfect 10. He's the latest and the greatest. You know, he, right. you know, you need, they need to use Tully for what he's good for right now, and that's his mouth. He, he can't get in the ring and go. You let him use his mouth and let him be that manager everybody wants to see get his ass kicked that, you know, in the back of your mind could probably maybe still kick your ass. So you don't know. Well, AEW right now, and Mikey, I'd like your opinion on this too. Um, AEW right now has three of the best mouthpieces in the business, and they're not using any of them. You've got Tony Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and Cody Rhodes. I don't know that they can use Arn right now. There you go, Chris Jericho. You got four. Well, well, Cody was just used the week before the pay per view to to do a big promo, and he said, uh, "You know, I went I went from un." Unusable uh, to un, you know, goddamn deniable. So that, I mean, I think Cody is being used, and it goes back to what we said on the prior episode, which is oh, yeah, I think he said I went from undesirable to undeniable. Yep. Right, and it's it's a thing where with AEW because they're charging so much for these tickets to their television broadcasts for the live audience, 
they feel, I think, a need to satisfy the live in-house audience. Yeah. At the same time, you're trying to do a TV show and mix in some vignettes, promos, sketches, backstage stuff, whatever. Yeah. And so you're trying to serve two masters at once. Now, I, I think, in my opinion, let the stories be told in the ring, meaning that I, as a fan, am so sick of 20 years of WWE promos tonight in this ring promos from WWE backstage vignettes that if if the focus for AEW is on the other end of the spectrum which is in-ring action at the cost of promos I'm okay right. with that I'll go with that for a while I think that's what they're trying to do but here's the thing you you do you still need those promos to drive home that match that you're trying to get across as being why I need to watch it why I need to well, it, it used to be. Remember, Jeff, you and I actually had this conversation before. That you, the art of the promo used to be used yeah. to get people in the building, to get you know, to talk people into a building. Yeah. Now it's to talk people into buying pay per views because there's no house. Like you, Mikey, you and I discussed in the first half of the show. Well, there's no house business anymore. Business. Yeah. But I think. I mean, that would go back to what I have said that uh, was hit on on one of the panels on StarCast and where he had the star, you know, basically the the the, the enhancement guys of the past, so George South, Bobby Starr, right. and, and Dwayne Gill. And Dwayne Gill said, if AEW wants to have a house show business, if WWE wants to get back their house shows, you need to bring back your job matches again. We talked about that. Mike and, and I had that. That's, yeah. what that's what I was going to say is me and you have talked about it in length and why they would work and why, you know, that's if they want to have the house show business. Personally, I would love to see AEW and WWE go down to only four or five pay-per-views in a year like they right. used to do. And then they could drive it with if you if you could bring back your job matches to where you could drive that pay-per-view to where you got two guys that's, that's going to happen Jeff because remember something the network is built on content oh well no i i get that you can't again you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube no but they but what they can do is buy a new tube of toothpaste they could try so we'll, we'll go we'll go here to the they've thrown this much money into the into the okay right it's another couple of million dollars at this point i got you well okay it's, well, not, like, it's not like vince doesn't have it well amen to that but i don't know that he wants to spend it well you know mike and i discussed in part one of the show exactly what you and I are talking about right now which is the lost art of the enhancement guy the uh, the jobber so you and I talked about this. We're doing, you know, you and I are going to do a whole show on the lost, the lost jobber. Right, right, right. Well, um, Mikey, Jeff, your thoughts on on the, the whole enhancement, aka jobber situation. Well, the, 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 there was another term that they've used, which is carpenter, and you talk about a guy like uh, Mike Jackson on Georgia Championship Wrestling, nineteen eighty four, and. <clears throat> You know, Mike Jackson was probably just as talented as anybody else. Absolutely. You know, George South. And and then you have guys that really were just tomato can type guys like the Mulkey Brothers and guys like that. But there's a there's a big range of 
enhancement guys or jobber guys, but but Arn Anderson recently said it pretty well. Arn Anderson that said that he was an enhancement guy. Yes, he did. Because yeah. you know he was enhancing the horseman or enhancing Ric Flair. Um I know, no, I was gonna say I would think that I mean the majority of wrestlers start out as enhancement talent back in the day. Right. Before they got their push. So yeah. For me, a lot of like listening to you guys and myself, a lot of people have a soft spot in their hearts, whether it's Johnny Rods, Iron Mike Sharp, yes, uh right? Barry O, uh whoever it is, you know, S. D. Jones had an action figure made for him. He had two actually. The yep. old LTN figures. So there right. is a soft spot for the guy who gets beat. Um, I think that's something that WWE has kind of reintroduced the last couple of years on Monday Night Raw. You, you know, and even a guy, James Ellsworth, got a, got a gig out of it for a couple of years because they liked how he jobbed to Braun Strowman. So right. It, it's interesting. Well, you got to remember, too. Without enhancement talent, without the you know the jobber, there's no one to put over. Johnny Rods every week faced a new guy. If you got past Johnny, you got a job. Right. That his job was to make sure that you got your job. Yep. If you looked good against Johnny Rods, they hired you. Steve Lombardi had the same position. X-Pac did, like, years later, he wasn't a job guy, but X-Pac was that guy who was the measuring stick on where all you went up on the card or down. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that again, we another subject we could go into another podcast on. I mean, it, it's... Yeah. Well, look, you could talk about Scott Hall. Scott <laughs> Hall said himself, Scott Hall said he was an upper mid-card guy. His job... Yep. Was to get people over. That was his job. He was a jobber. He, he said, "If you and I want to, Jeff, I want to take the stigma away from the term jobber. It's not a bad term. No, no, it is. I got to agree with you. Even Barry Horowitz said it's a very ugly term in a lot of ways to those guys because they are enhancement, and they enhance it to whoever they made look better." <laughs> Sorry. Do you know anything about wrestling terminology? You know where the term jabroni came from? The Spanish for jobber or something like that? A jabroni is an Italian word that means one who does a job. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what it, literally what it means. A jabroni means one who does a job. Right. There you go. And, and that's what they did. They did a job. Well, that was their well, job. No, here, here you go. What's wrong with in, it? In a nutshell, in a nutshell, what it boils down to today, nobody wants to do the enhancement. Nobody wants to lay down. Nobody wants to be the underneath guy. They all want to be on top. Bingo. They nobody all want to be the superstar. They all want to be that guy getting that top pay. And they don't sit back and go, what is it that I need to do to get to that spot? And in the meantime, what can I do to earn my position to get there? Exactly. And and they're not willing to do that. They would. They all. They all want to be the one that goes, ding, 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 and the winner is. And they want their yeah, name they to get a six-figure contract as soon as they walk in the door. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know what? They need. And that's a prop. That is a big problem with wrestling today. 
And well, then you got, but here, here it is too. It goes to the fans because then the fans go, "Oh, they're burying so and so. They're burying." Question. Huh? Let me ask you a question, Jeff. If you're gonna, it ties right into what you and I are talking about. Okay. Tony Khan, a yep. guy with a lot of money, more money than Vince McMahon. He opened the door. Yep. And threw six-figure contract to everybody who walked in the door. Everybody. Nobody. Well, 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 you know what? How much of that is wrestling talk and how much of that is legit? Well, I think it's pretty legit. I don't think that somebody like, okay, an Orange Cassidy, you know, pocket, pocket boy, he may be getting six figures. I don't know, though, that... Uh, that your other that certain other people are getting six figure contracts. Well, they're getting damn close to it. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know. That, I, okay, I don't know that the librarians are getting six figures. I guarantee you, they are. I'd be surprised. I really would, just because of how little that they're being used. I would be really surprised. But here, here's what I'm going to ask and get into. And we're, we're gonna, we, I, was, I was going somewhere with this. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Here, here's why I, I brought this up. Because I'm, I'm, going, I'm going somewhere with this. Tony Khan's got a lot of money. He's throwing big, big money contracts. Okay, we'll put it that way. He's yep, throwing big is. money contracts at everybody that walks in the door. Isn't he really doing himself a disservice by this? Yes, yes. So why does he continue to throw to mind just because he can? No, because Cody and the Young Bucks and whoever else say we want our buddy to get paid who hadn't gotten made good money and he's been towing away on the Indies for the last 15 years and he deserves it. Clap, 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 clap. Isn't, isn't the uh, term here uh, money well, money? that's the case, then Mike Messier deserves it. Oh, Mike. Mike. Say it again, Mike. Let me hear you loud and clear. Money marked. The there money. Go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, before the record, folks, I didn't say that Mike Messier did. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this. Go Guys that are on the same indie level talent that the AEW boys that are being used at NXT, they're only making seventy-five to eighty thousand dollars a year. They're not making six figures, and they're just as happy. Well, here's the grand a year. I'll be ecstatic. Here's the thing, guys. When when AEW was formulating, you know, um, six months or five months ago, whenever it was, uh, maybe seven months ago, I, I sent a resume to to Tony Khan, you know, so and a cover letter. So I'd love to work for the company. Oh, I mean, I, hey, don't get me wrong. I would love to take some of his his, his money too, but because I myself am guilty of sending him a, a letter and a resume and saying, hey, wherever I could be used, I'm willing and able and available, but. Sure. I did not send him a letter and resume for the record because I don't think he has uh, a need on his staff for a full-time psychic. Well, maybe the <laughs> of his company, he might. I mean, that's, it, that goes to, to something I've been asking people online, and, and I don't know if we want to do the full gear match-by-match match thing, but I, 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 my question to you guys is... I was trying, then we go down rabbit holes. <laughs> and yeah. whose fault is that, Breath? All of ours. <laughs> will, this, will this company be in business in the year 2035? I don't with think so. Psychic. Okay, not, not with the money that they're throwing around and not. I, I, I think if I think Jeff is right. If Tony Khan and, and Cody and the, the Bucks 
and even to some degree Jericho, because let's be honest about it, he's got a hand in this too. If they keep throwing this kind of money around, they're going to be broke in the next 10, 15 years. 10 years or less. Tony isn't going to want to take a, he is not going to take an L on the chin, but so many years it'd be and operate in the red. I, I would hate to see Tony Khan having to go to Shahid Khan, his father, and saying, you know, Dad, listen, uh, I'm down to my last $900 million. Uh, can you spot me a loan for a couple of billion? <laughs> you know, I mean, look what happened. Because it's happened. Uh, let me yeah, just I mean, mention. I mean, look at Dixie Carter. I, I was I mean, going to say, let me throw a name at you, Jeff. Dixie Carter. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that this isn't the shiny new toy that Tony Khan's got to play with and that he's just having fun. And I, I, really I, think, I think it's different. I think it's different. And here's why. Because Tony Khan is actually a wrestling fan. Dixie yeah. Carter was a straight up money mark. You, no, you're right. Okay. Now, I look, think we'll, we'll, we'll get back on track here really quick. We'll go with we had Sean Spears and Joey Janela. Yes, ref. Bring me back on track because I like to go down rabbit holes. Sean Spears that came out with Telly Blanchard looking like a champion, of course. And then he faces Joey Janela, who I just can't. I don't get his character. I don't know him. I don't like him. I just. I don't think he knows what his character is. I, 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 I mean, what about you, Mike? I think Joey Janela was the type that did better on the real indie-rific circuit. Yep. And even whatever credibility he had as the bad boy was kind of ruined last summer on, on Twitter and Instagram when he and Enzo Amore had like this legitimate skirmish of sorts at a, at a concert, at an outdoor yeah. concert. And, and I guess Enzo drew first blood with his Instagram post because the way that Enzo put the footage up, it looked like Joey was backing away from Enzo. And so... Given the smart mark nature of AEW, uh, at least for me, if you were going to call this guy the bad boy, yet he's backing up from a fight with Enzo Amore at a, at a rock concert, you know, it, it, it kind of diminishes him. And Well, I'm going to give you guys, both of you guys, the Iggy on this. Sure. The whole thing was set up. The whole thing was a work. The, the concert thing with him and Enzo? Between both of them, it was set up. They knew it would blow up on wrestling. Exactly. It was just to get publicity for both of them. But Speaking of Joe Janela, and I should say this, uh, Jeff, because we've been in contact with Matt Bulldozer Tremont. That's uh, Joe Janela's former tag team partner. You know, Janela made his living as a hardcore wrestler. There you go. And that, that's what I'm saying. I don't know that he fits into AEW. Well, we're going to have his... Uh, we're going to find out more about Joey Janela from his former tag team partner, Bulldozer Matt Tremont, on an upcoming episode, probably in the next uh, couple, two, or, two weeks or so. Okay. Okay. So we, we've been in... Jeff has been in touch with him. I've been in touch with him. So we will have Matt Tremont on the show. I'll... I'll, I'll you know... This match was okay for what it was. They they used Tully for the finish. They had him get the spike pile driver on the outside, leading to you know Shaw Spears getting the win. Right. Again, it was a match. You know what I mean? It just kind of seemed like they just threw it in there just to give them to a spot. I really I didn't I didn't know 
anyway, then we, we got into the three-way for the tag belts. And that was with, you had uh, SoCal Uncensored, Scorpio Sky, teaming up with Frankie Kazarian against the Lucha Brothers and Private Party. The, the Lucha, SoCal was in there mainly to, to, to be ground control for the match. That's really what they were there for because that match was all over the place. Well, Mike and I had this conversation earlier. We both agree that there was probably one too many tag teams in that match. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. And the thing, though, is that AEW is trying to make it to where they, they're saying, oh, we're different and we're going to focus on tag teams. But I think they're doing their tag team division a disservice to a point. Absolutely. I mean, those, those, three, brothers. those three team matches or four team matches – We've been seeing that at WrestleMania. Is anytime the WWE they had to put, you know, three or four teams, Benjamin and Haas or whoever, yep. on the WrestleMania pay-per-view, they'd always yeah. put up a championship three or four team match. And it, it, it's, once again, uh, less is more, you know. And for me, I'm a big Pentagon Jr. fan, in particular, of all those guys. So I'd like to see Pentagon Jr. in a tag team match, just him and Ray Phoenix. Yes. For the belts, two on two. Yep. To me, it wasn't a great match. Other people nope. seem to have enjoyed it, but I, it didn't do much for me. To me, it just took away. I mean, I didn't enjoy it myself. I'm with you on that whole yeah. it, it, Okay, it, so let's go through this quickly, Jeff. Yeah. Um, we got Rio and uh, Sakura. Uh, I can't say her first name, really. Emmy Sakura. Yeah, something like that. They told a good um, story with the vignettes, but, you know. Yeah, and Rio is great. I mean, she's a talented young lady, but they just, uh, to me, they don't use her right for the size that she is. She should be doing a lot, selling a lot more, and then when she hits her moves, they can be small and impactful. Like, her double stomps make sense. That's taking the wind out of your opponent. But... I don't know. Anyway, that was just a typical. Again, I wasn't into it. I'm not into the Japanese women scene. I so that did not grab my attention. Yeah. Now give me Oscar all day from the WWE. I'll take her. I'll take uh, Io Shirai. The, the WWE Japanese girls. They know what they're doing. I mean, and, and well, just, I will say this as a general statement. Much as it pains me, I think the WWE women. Uh, on SmackDown, Raw, and NXT yes. are far superior than AEW. I'm just going to put that out. They, 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 they take the cake right now, hands down. And yeah, then, they really do. Okay, then we're going to go into a match that I could go down and really get <laughs> the Jericho and, and uh, Cody match was great, and I loved it, and I loved everything about it. Uh, the lead up to it, the build up, the promos, the match itself. Jericho comes out looking like a, a rock star champion. Cody looking like the challenger that he was. And they had the majority of this, I'll say this, the majority of AEW fans from online that were buying the pay-per-view to everybody in that audience, the majority of them were convinced that Cody was going to win the belt that night because of how much they had stacked the deck, stacked the deck in his favor. Oh, we got the judges out there. Oh, they must be going. All of a sudden, oh, great. They're going to go to time limit draw. And I'm going, Jericho hasn't seen a 60-minute match since he got started. He's <laughs> not going to go 60 minutes. There's no way in hell. 
And then that wasn't going to happen. So then you go, okay, okay. Oh, well, if, you know, and then, then Cody adds in, if I lose, I will never get another world title shot. The minute he said that, I said, they're setting it up for him. There's so many other angles now that they can go. Right. I think it was funny is that one another, again, one of the pops of the night went to Cody's mom who got her slap in on Jericho and called him a motherfucker or whatever it was she said to him. Yeah. And that, that was awesome. And um, I, I, I mean, and, and Jake Hager, uh, Jack, the former Jack Swagger out there is the muscle for, for, for Jericho as like the bodyguard muscle for that group. Just again adds to it. I mean, he adds to that whole package deal. Cody, Cody eating it on the 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 you know the hard way and and stit, you know yeah all of it all of it just a great fantastic match. They should have ended it right there. Gone home. Gone fade to black. We're done. Yeah. End of the night. But yeah, no. not work either, brother. But no, no. Give you John Moxley, Kenny Omega. Well, you're leaving out the best part of the Cody Jericho match. Oh, oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Then we here we go. The best part of the night. Cody's best friend, who comes out there with him, throwing the towel. He jumps in the ring. I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to. You just look like you couldn't take it no more. I'm so sorry. And he kicks him right in the balls. Crowd yeah. is going. I mean, crowd is booing MJF out of the building at this point. He they is all night long. And whether or not they were plants or not, the throwing of the fact, I don't care if they were plants or not, the fact that he got whizzed in the head with a couple of drinks added to the effect. And if they were plants, God bless them for planting them there. If they weren't, God bless MJF for getting that kind of emotion out of the fans. And, and, and you know what? As I said, that right there sold everything because what male, what red-blooded male could not relate to, damn, my best friend turned on me. He, exactly. made, me lose my, he made me lose my world title match. So I'll never get another shot ever again. Not only that, he kicked me in the balls, the most chicken shit way you could ever fight a man heads up. Yep. He kicked me in the balls. And now they're going to be off and running, and you're going to have MJF and Cody cutting promos on each other like you've never seen before. And Jericho could set up for whoever he wants next. Well, I didn't like that whole thing anyway. What, what bothered me was Cody is the most over baby face in the group, right? Yes. But his best friend is a heel? Well, it was he was a heel. That makes sense. What? No, no, what what it was supposed to be was he was a heel to the fans, but to Cody's face, oh, I love him. Let me hug him and kiss him and, oh, and, yeah. and, and be the nice guy. But behind your back, I'm really the asshole that everybody knows I am. Yeah, exactly. Well, they explored that on their being the elite show, you know, for what it's worth. They did they did do vignettes of like MJF was come over for dinner. Yes, yeah, he, he ate steak dinner with yeah. them, all kinds of different things, yeah. Right. So, like, like once again, it's a deal where, like, if you were watching Being the Elite or highlights of it and you were keeping up with all their storylines that were on YouTube, then they did do character development. If you've only been watching the AEW two-hour Dynamite shows, they haven't brought some of that Being the Elite stuff to the TV screen. 
And once again, to me, it's just a fact of they have limited screen time. But no, that's actually very, very, very right. You are very, very on the money on that one, Mike. I got, I could not agree with you more. Now, real quick, I got to ask you your opinion on the Moxley and Kenny Omega match. Okay. I got my own. I want to hear your take. I like the match. I mean, this to me was a retro. 1995 Japanese death match, Mick Foley, Terry Gordy, Mick Foley, Terry Funk. To me, you don't do this match once a month. You don't do it once a week. You may not even do it once a year. But we still talk about Mick Foley and The Undertaker, and, and those guys risked their lives, or at least Foley did. Well, this match, to me, it was the match that brought it all together. It was the match that made the pay-per-view worthwhile. Um, I've read the criticism of it afterwards, and look, I, I wrestled very few matches, Jeff. I would never do anything like those guys did in that match. But if they want to risk their lives or their permanent injuries or their health for my enjoyment, uh, I forgave Kenny Omega after this match for wrestling the doll in Japan. I mean, I think Omega and Mox deserve my, my applause anyway. I mean, well, wouldn't you agree though that Omega's not meant to do that hardcore style? That's nobody not his. No, nobody in their right mind is 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 meant to do that style. But I and think Moxley prides himself in that. Yeah, I, I think I think part of Moxley's thing, Jeff, coming back to the you know the non WWE world and being John Moxley again, is that now he's going to do what he wants. Now he's not going to be restrained by bad promos about eating pizza with a homeless person and so forth. That well, we heard don't you think, about. though, that they're, they're, they're kind of, I mean, they're trying to set it up. I mean, because he already put out the challenger for who, who's got the balls to basically face me next. I think it's going to be Moxley versus Jericho at the next pay-per-view in, in January or February of 2020. That's what I would like to see. Oh, same here. I would love to see that. I would love to see Moxley and Jericho. I think that's where they could go. But, I mean, Wednesday night he put out the challenge and it was accepted. And I think it was by Janela, but I'm not sure. But he said he wanted basically another hardcore style match against whoever. Was it know, Darby Allen? Was it? Yeah, it was Darby. You're right, Darby Allen. I'm sorry. He won so, like some six man match or four man match, and then Darby said he'd fight Box or something. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, it's. I, I hope that they're not going to pigeonhole Moxley into just doing hardcore matches. I really do because that would really suck because he's above that. Well, I think I, I think then you know to me I could be wrong, but if AEW is putting all this emphasis on creative control for the wrestlers, and this is the Ellis Island for professional wrestlers, then why doesn't uh, Moxley? It, it seems to me Moxley has enough clout to call his own shots in that no promotion. That's what I'm saying is, and I would think that he would want to be above doing these matches. Now, granted, I'll say this: you you compare it to the IWA death matches of '95. Far, far cry from it because those matches, they were at least bleeding. These guys didn't have really hardly any blood coming out of that match. Oh, they, they had enough for me. I mean, the, the, they took the barbed wire to their backs. and They did, but, I mean, you could definitely tell, though, that that was, I mean, like when, you, when, they, did the, when they did, like, the, the death match over in Japan, when, when he got powerbombed into the shards of glass, you saw shards of glass sticking in the guy's back. Right, yeah. And Jeff, let me ask you a question. There's some, I forget who wrote it. It might have been 
I don't know, it might have been Bleacher Report. It wasn't Meltzer. Somebody had alluded to the fact or suggested, and Mike, you may know something about this too, that it wasn't real barbed wire, that it was like like stage barbed wire. Well, speculated that with Meltzer. Alvarez. Do we know whether this was like legit barbed wire? Well, I, I, I would argue that it wasn't like totally legit because if it was, they would have gotten totally tangled up in it and had to be cut out of it and they were able to crawl out of it. He's talking about what, what Alvarez was suggesting was that they used legitimate barbed wire for the stuff in the ring, yep. the stuff that was tied on the weapons. And then when they brought out that table of, of mesh, that table of death barbed wire, that that could have been, you know, rigged or safety barbed wire if there is such a thing. I don't know the answers yeah. to that. I mean, it, to me, I thought it was effective. I thought that match brought the whole thing together. I, I got a, a macabre or a gothic chuckle when they would cut to young women in the crowd, 25-year-old goth chicks who are at this wrestling show with their platonic boyfriends, and the women are turning away in disgust. That made me laugh. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. But I've so, definitely seen what I was gonna what I guess what I was getting at is I've definitely seen more gruesome matches. Oh yeah, matches. I have too. But the but let's let's give the AEW credit for all the stuff that we're saying that they haven't built all their storylines. If there was a storyline that came together over the course of six, seven, eight months, it would be this. Because no, Mox absolutely. Right. I, I, I saw more gruesome matches than that recently. In fact, in Mike Messier's film which I will plug for him, called Wrestling Son. Thank you. That you can find on YouTube. I appreciate that. Wrestling Son on the Mike Messier YouTube channel. Uh, the Eliminator, John Cronus, uh, Ruckus, um, some really wow. cool people. Killer Kowalski. Special appearance by Killer Kowalski. Yes, Killer Kowalski. Um, got John Cronus before he died. Yeah, Cronus. Well, Cronus actually plays my father in this movie, believe it or not. And uh, Cassie Strader was his real-life girlfriend, played by mom. I play Little Jack. I yeah. played a character named Little Jack that's actually based on Jack Von Erich. Uh, Jack yeah. Von Erich was the youngest Von Erich that died. You've got to watch this movie, Jeff. It's a good one. I will. Thank you. So I, I, guess, I guess, Jeff, my take on the match on Moxley Omega was that it made my investment, my staying home on a Saturday night looking at my computer screen – for four and a half hours worth it. What was your take on it? I, you know, again, I think they could have ended at the Jericho and Cody match and I would have been content. I just, I think that they went a little bit over the top with the gimmicks that they used. That's just my opinion. And I'm not one for that style match anyway, but they had so many gimmicks. It was gimmick after gimmick after gimmick. And it was like, okay, when are y'all going to stop and finally just go home with this? Yeah, that was one of the complaints, Jeff, that I heard. And then, and then the one part that I would I would say, you know, you want to separate yourselves from WWE, then why did you use the same WWE spot that they used in their unsanctioned match of the pulling back of the mat and exposing the wood and doing moves on the wood to add to the danger of it when they yeah. just did that with Gargano and Ciampa back at NXT Takeover, and yeah. that match got a five star rating, mind you, by Meltzer. So. And, and it, you know, to me, when Kenny Omega did the 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 flip off the top, and he ate it right there on the wood, face boom, head first, go home, go home, yeah, one two three, done. 
Instead, they went into another couple sequences. Why? What was the point? Just yeah, because they could? Well, just, just the answer, the, the simple answer is just because they could. Well, yeah, I, I agree, but yeah. it, it just well, but it was unnecessary. Absolutely. Just away from it a little bit. But, I mean, it, it, you know, I like Kenny Omega. I do. I, I like him a lot. I like John Moxley. I hope that Moxley doesn't get pigeonholed and doing nothing but hardcore matches. I would love to see Kenny Omega and Moxley uh, in a regular match, but I agree with what Mike had said. I think, I mean, if you want to tell, if you want to know where I think that they should go with it, I think Moxley and Jericho will be your logical pay-per-view buildup. I mean, and if you're going to do a hardcore style match at your next pay-per-view, you better damn sure make sure it's between MJF and Cody, and it needs to be a bloodbath. It really oh, does. Absolutely. And it doesn't need to be settled there. They need to settle it old school, old school style. Put them in a steel cage. <laughs> Your lights out. Yeah. yeah. Well, any closing thoughts from either of you guys? I'll throw in a closing thought real quick. It's just, I, I, I hear what you were saying, Jeff, the ref, and um, Angelo, you seem to agree that the match could have had a little bit less to it. To me, it's a thing where if this promotion is kind of run by the boys, so to speak. Like, yep. the, the, at least the top guys, Moxley's, Jericho's, Cody's, these yep. type of guys are more or less calling their own spots. Yeah. Then that type of anarchy, that type of feeling, that vibe, if you would, I like that vibe. I like that if, if the match is five minutes or seven minutes too long, like Solomon Monster said, I'd rather, I'd rather give them their five or seven minutes of time rather than that WWE tonight in this ring promo Miz versus our truth you know seven minute intercontinental title match every time I just I, I just prefer a more anarchist wrestling presentation so well, I enjoyed I, it I, I hear and I, I I hear what you're saying and I have yet to go to an AEW show so I can't say that I know the feeling but a lot of people that have gone and even wrestlers that have taken part or been in, at an AEW show, they've compared it a lot to the old atmosphere of an ECW show of the fans are just that ravenous for that, that action and wanting to be, you know, supporting the boys and the boys, you know, you know, just like happy locker room and everybody kind of not, not so much doing their own thing, but supporting one another and what all they're doing out there. And then the fans, yeah feeling like they are a part of something genuine and real and want, you know, that they organic almost. Yeah. And I can see that. I really can. Um, I mean, I, I heard somebody even, it was on a podcast and they, they said, this is ECW with Polly. If Polly had a budget. <laughs> so exactly. I, I, I can see that too. Uh, I don't know that Tony Khan could give the rah-rah speeches that Polly could back in the day, but <laughs> you know, well, there, are, there are plenty of people there, Jeff, that will give those rah-rah speeches. Absolutely. absolutely. Speaking of which, Jeff, give yeah. our rah-rah speech. Where can people find us? Oh, they can find us any and all of your major platforms that you can download any of your podcasts on, from Stitcher to Spotify, to Podbean, to Apple iTunes, to your fillings in your teeth on down. <laughs> You can find us anywhere and everywhere available. We're on YouTube as well, Wrestling With The Future. And you can find us on Twitter, Wrestling With The Future, um, or at Wrestling With The Future. And um, 
And Jeff, tell everybody about uh, Jack Victory Part Two. What Jack we Victory is coming up, I believe, this week, week Wednesday. Yep, uh, Tuesday night is when we're going to speak to him, and uh, the show. Yeah, it will drop on Wednesday. But Jack promised us an entire show of wrestling road stories and just stories of him and and the boys. And what I'm what I'm hoping to do is basically have a name and just go over names and just say. Hey, what do you what do you got to say about this guy? I ain't looking for him to shoot yeah. and bury people. I just wanted to hear, you know what? Me and him are going down the road at two in the morning and throwing beer bottles at stop signs as we rode by, and you know that kind of thing. Some of the upcoming guests on the show will be Bulldozer Matt Tremont, CZW original hardcore legend and icon. Yep. Uh, we will have Mrs. Bruiser Brody, Barbara Goodish. That's a on big the one. show, that's a big one. And we will have Rico Costantino, and we will be uh, recording with Rico in the next week or so. I I have uh, uh, coming up here also. Uh, you know, this is going to be within the next month or two, whatever. Uh, as we line, lining up our guest, we got an original from the original Glow Show, Grimlina. She was in season four, trained right. by uh, Colonel Nanuchka. Um. Hopefully, cross our fingers, good Lord willing, even if it's 10 minutes, we'll get Mick Foley on here. If yeah. we can. We got uh, <laughs> Mick Foley all over the place. I, 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 you, you know, however, you know, I don't know if he needs me to, to promise a donation to his Christmas fund or what, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Trust me. All right. But uh, on that note, um, I would like to say thanks, thank you for coming on, Mike. It was a pleasure always. And I would love to have Mike come on even once a week and, and just go over the shows or whatever. Frequent guest on the show. Mike, plug uh, your website, Mike, and, and your movies and whatever else you got going on. Uh, MikeMessier.com. Thanks, Jeff the Ref. Thanks, Angelo. Uh, Avalonia Festival. Uh, if any filmmakers are out there, guess what? I have categories for both MMA films and pro wrestling films. So if people want to enter the Avalonia Festival, there's categories for pro wrestling films. That's how dedicated I am. The uh, festival takes place December 8th in Jacksonville, Florida. But uh, you can find distancefromavalon.com. Or if you are on Film Freeway, look for Avalonia Festival. Uh, MikeMessier.com has all your Mike Messier stuff. Uh, Messier Peace Theater is on my website. You can find that. Uh, one of the boys, the Ox Baker movie, Ox Baker, one of the boys, just released by the Vince Russo YouTube channel this morning. It had like 120 views within the first hour or so. And that's that's a nice, quick ascension. Um, and I'll be doing more things with Vince Russo's YouTube channel, hopefully. Uh, I think that's about it. I, I just wanted to say real quick, I did read two books about Bruiser Brody in the last year and a half, uh, great books. And um, one of them is upstairs and, and I just looked at it, you know, so I'm fascinated to hear Bruiser Brody's uh, wife, a widow discuss Frank and his career. Yeah. And his son, who's probably, I guess, 25 or 30 now, or maybe a little older, but um, facially looks a lot like uh, Bruiser Brody. Oh um, yeah, he does. Yeah, so. He looks like his daddy. Real quick. Well, I want to take this opportunity, Jeff, to thank Mike 
for yeah. including wrestling with the future in yes. just about every Facebook wrestling group page that you can think of because he is blanketing us everywhere. He has, and I really so, appreciate that. And Mikey, here's a challenge for you. If you can get Vince Russo to appear on this show, I will kiss your bare ass on Skype for the world to see. Can I have another payoff besides that? Can I have like some other payoff? <laughs> I, I was gonna actually I was gonna tell everybody you could also find Mike Messier over on his YouTube channel, Mike Messier. Oh thanks. Street. And he gives a very opinionated shoot. And I'll let everybody go tune in on CM Punk and his return to the WWE slash Fox. Yeah, that's a good one. We'll just say this. Basically, Mike doesn't give a fuck. I'm the angry wrestling fan. And, and, and when I'm with you guys, I'm in a good mood because we're talking wrestling. We're having – but sometimes when – my thing is hypocrisy, guys, and I'll be the first to admit that I'm a hypocrite, too. We all are. But CM Punk has been talking so much trash, and rightfully so, for so many years that they, they sent him his dismissal papers on his wedding day, and yep. he pulled Cabana and all this stuff, and we turn around, and I guess, you know, those UFC paychecks aren't coming in. So here he is with, with uh, it looked like the extras from... American Hustle with Renee Young in the pantsuit, and he's he's yeah. dancing around with Renee Young, and he's looking like he's he's boxing a Piper quote. He looks silly to me. It's just it's just not. I don't know. I, I think. Well, I, I need to tell everyone though, in in full disclosure, uh, and this is a a legal thing I have to do in full disclosure. Uh, CM Punk does not work for the WWE. He works for Fox Television. But he works for Fox Television with WWE approval. They had to approve his position at Fox. That's correct. To to receive the backstage access. Yep. When he works a match with Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, which I believe Dave Meltzer predicted, if that if and when that happens, then this whole CM Punk's not working for WWE, he's working for Fox, that clarity will be seen in the future for what it is, if that happens. If that happens. On that note, we will see you next episode. Happy wrestling, everybody, and we are wrestling with the future. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.